Praise God. They did an awesome, awesome job for us this morning. We love kids uh, here at Hope Des Moines, and uh, we, not just uh, on Sundays when, when they're up here singing every single day through our preschool and every week through our Hope Kids program on Sunday morning. We love kids, and, uh, and we love families uh, here as well. Whether it's here each day or on the weekend, uh, we pray that as these kids grow up, whether it's the... Um, the kids that are hanging out in the nursery right now that are kind of spilling over into the next room as God continues to grow, uh, our families around here at Hope Des Moines, uh, these kids that are more elementary age, as well as our junior high and high school ministry with Power Life Ignition, as they grow up through the church, we want them to know that this isn't just a, a safe place physically, but it's a safe place spiritually as well for them, that they know a few things for sure. Number one, they are going to have a blast. They are going to have so much fun. And you'll know that they're having a blast because you'll probably hear them uh, up in the rooms uh, at various times throughout the service. Number two, that our ministry is going to be laser-focused on Jesus unashamedly and, and, and God's word and his promises. And number three, that they are, they are going to be loved here, that they're going to be valued, that they can know, here I can be myself, here I'm a priority. And that's a great reminder, one of the many great reminders that our downtown preschool is for us uh, throughout the week. For me, it's a great reminder because my office happens to be right next to the transitional kindergarten room. And so I've had these songs memorized for the last two months. Uh, and I also know how to clean up, clean up, everybody do your share as well. And so uh, it's just a daily reminder. Uh, and whenever we have the kids sing or celebrate baptisms as we do on a regular, regular basis, it's such a powerful reminder that... Kids are the main thing. They're not a distraction from the main thing, as C.S. Lewis once wrote, that they are the main thing. And we are so thankful for that. Uh, Jesus' heart for kids. Sometimes we forget that. It's pretty, pretty easy to miss that in Scripture. There's this amazing story in, in John chapter, excuse me, in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus is teaching. Uh, and, you know, he's a pretty important guy. He's God. He's God in flesh. And he's speaking. He's got three years to save the world. And so he's a pretty busy guy. And so these kids start to run up to Jesus while he's teaching, and they start running up to him and climbing on his lap and everything, and Jesus' disciples start to shoo him away. And it says that Jesus became indignant, like this deep passion kind of welled up inside of him, and Jesus responded in this way, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." And then he follows it up, and let's read this together nice and loud up on the screen. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You see, it'd be one thing to see all the cute kids up here this morning and think, wow, that was so neat, and I got my pictures, and that was so cute, and now on to the real message. <laughs> I've got a, some good news for you this morning. That was the real message. That was it. Do you notice how they just received the message of these songs, even if they don't fully understand it? There's no reservations. For a lot of them, they're just going to jump around and they're going to do their dance and they're not going to be so concerned with what they look like. And yet something happens as adults. Do you notice this when we were worshiping earlier? None of us will admit it, but all of us get self-conscious. All of us get aware, <laughs> self-aware. And all of a sudden, instead of just worshiping God freely, with childlike faith, as Jesus says, we become so aware and we kind of look around and we go, man, that person's kind of moving around and that person's like going crazy. They're raising their hands. I mean, is that even Lutheran? Can you do that? Is that, you know, is that okay? You know, when we just become so aware of everybody else's opinions about us, except the God that created us. 
And that's what's so powerful about having the kids lead us in worship. Jesus knows the heart of kids. And if you watch them, they receive it so openly. Every summer we go all out for kids. A lot of you are aware of that and have participated in our vacation Bible school that we do at the end of July. And we just go all out. We pull out all the stops because we believe that your kids are worth it. We believe that families and parents are worth it and getting them connected with God's love. And so sometimes you wonder, maybe as parents or grandparents, you wonder this too. Am I I getting through? Is anything that I'm saying working? Well, that song that you heard deep and wide there, we did that during vacation Bible school. And a couple weeks after that, uh, our four-year-old son, Caleb, who was in VBS and sang with the kids at our last service, you know, I wonder, like, is anything getting through his heart or mind? And he loves to play Legos. And so a couple weeks after VBS, I walked into our living room and there he's playing Legos and he's kind of sitting on his legs and kind of on his tush a little bit, playing with Legos as four-year-olds do, except at the top of his lungs, he's singing, oh, it's deep and wide. Oh, it's deep and wide. God loves me, he's both deep and wide. And you're like, it's working. You know, he may not fully understand that, but he's going to grow up and he's going to have some rough days and he's going to get picked on at school and he's going to wonder if he's enough. And he's going to say, oh, it's deep and wide. No matter what this world throws at me, God loves for me. It's both deep and wide. Do you know that today? Do you know, have, have you received it? Have you let that all the way in? I hear a lot of people say, whether it's these young kids or junior high or high school students, well-intentioned church-going people say, oh, that is so nice. They are the future of the church. And I say, no, they're not. They're the church right now. Amen. They're the church right now, reading scripture for us, leading us in worship, bringing the joy and the passion and the enthusiasm that we all need. If you need a glimpse of that, you heard in the 360 video earlier, this is uh, some of our junior high and high school students hanging out. They did a combined worship night with all the students uh, from all of our campuses at uh, at West Des Moines uh, this past Wednesday. Over 1,000 junior high and high school students getting together, not causing any trouble, at least maybe a little bit, but worshiping God at the top of their lungs, passionately worship. They had beach balls bouncing around during worship. I'm like, that's it. Next week, we're getting beach balls for worship. So you can look forward to that. Uh, Just having a blast. And there was so much passion for Jesus in that room and so much sweat all mixed together. It was just an awesome, awesome time of worship. So why do we do all this? Why do we put such an emphasis on children and student ministry? Well, a couple years ago at all of our campuses, we just renewed this commitment that's always been there to compete for the hearts of children and students in our community. Kids these days are growing up in a complicated world that is filled with so many distractions that can so easily pull them away from that soul-satisfying relationship with God. And we believe that they're missing out. We believe that they're missing out, and so we're doing everything we can to to create highly effective ministries that are going to connect kids to their creator. They're not just going to ask them to come to us, but we're going to go to them and that we can teach the Christian faith in real and applicable ways. But it's really important to know that whether you've got kids this age or not, or maybe some of you are involved in your leaders, I I pray that you would think about these kids and these students as our kids. Our kids. In fact, I'll tell you a little bit about our WizKids program later for neighborhood kids, but somebody that, uh, that uh, volunteers with our WizKids was asking me, they, they saw me downtown the other day, and they said, John, I was there hanging out with your kids on Thursday night. I'm like, my kids, they, they were at home on Thursday night. They were, in, they were in bed, you know, they're four and two. Like, my kids are like, no, the WizKids. 
And I was going to correct him, and I said, no, you're actually right. They're my kids, they're your kids, because they're God's kids. And we're called to love them and care for them well, and so we go all out, but it's important to know it's not about the fancy music and the lights and the sound and trying to be the coolest or hippest church in town, because we're not, and I know that for two reasons. Number one, I'm just not that cool, and my wife reminds me of that every single day. Dad's ever been there, your wife looks at you, or somebody looks at you and says, that's a dad outfit. And now I just say, yep, it is, because I'm, I'm just a dad now. I'm not cool and hip like I used to be. And number two, you know, you know what I've discovered and what we believe at Hope? Kids are looking for passion over polish. Kids are looking not for perfect people and parent, perfect parents. You hear that? They're not looking for perfection. Adults, volunteers, church, they're looking for passionate, authentic real adults that are willing to invest the time and be with them and point them to Jesus Christ. They're not looking for what's cool and hip and trendy. They can find that elsewhere. What they can get in the local church that they can't find anywhere else is the body of Christ, is adults taking their faith so seriously that they're willing to pass that on to the next generations. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Because ultimately, I believe what's underneath all of the angst and the stress and the anxiety, have you noticed that, that kids are distracted and they're full of stress and anxiety and there's so many things being thrown their way? They're in need of hope. Not the church, Jesus. They're in need of hope. They're looking for answers and real answers to the things that they're facing. This world's more complicated than ever and they're in need of hope. In fact, all of us are. <laughs> You are. I am. We need some hope to know that things are going to get better. Has anybody ever seen this sign when you're driving south on uh, Interstate 35 coming down from Minnesota? You ever seen that? This is in southern Minnesota. Every time I pass that, my, a lot of my extended family's up in Minnesota, and I see that every time, and I go, that's going to be in a sermon sometime. That's a sermon illustration because I think that's the sign that all of us are looking for, isn't it? This isn't just about kids and students. We need some hope. <laughs> We live in a world that's more divided than ever, that's filled with anger and hatred and constant arguments and stress and anxiety. I feel like every week I talk to another member of our church community here and people just say, I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> this is a hard stage of life that I'm in. I'm overwhelmed with work. I'm stressed out. I'm tired of all the divisiveness in our country and the politics and all the agendas. I'm just worn out from all the arguments and the debates. Does anybody feel that way? Let's just get real. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm worn out. People are looking for hope. They're looking for a better way. And I'm not just talking about the right or the left in terms of political stances. People are looking for a third way. That we don't have to be silent about these things, but we also don't have to let them run our lives. People are looking for a third way. They're looking for Jesus, even if they're not saying it. They're looking for hope. And Jesus offers us that third way, that things are going to get better. Everybody's looking for hope. Case in point, the last couple weeks, I'll tell you who's looking for hope, Cubs fans. You know what I mean? Anybody Cubs fans? Anybody still want to admit you're a Cubs fan? All right. How many people were Cubs fans and would like to admit that you're bandwagon fans? Don't lie. You're in church. All right. Has this not been the most stressful two weeks of your life if you're a Cubs fan? The postseason in baseball is just nuts. So here's the thing about Cubs fans, though. They're people of hope. Because they won it last year, so now we no longer say there's always next year. We say there's always last year, right? That's what Cubs fans say. We're just going to go back to that for the next 108 years, right? 
we go back to that. But here's my thought about Cubs fans through this series with the Dodgers. It's the first one to win four games. It's the best of seven. Because Cubs fans are people of hope, here's my interpretation of their thinking. You lose the first game, you're down 1-0. No problem. We got this. You lose the second game, you're down 2-0, and you're like, eh, this isn't so good. You lose the third game, you're down 3-0, and to borrow a line from a great movie called Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. That's what they say. <laughs> Okay, isn't that what we're saying, right? And then you win a game, and now it's three to one, and so you're like, oh man, just three more, and we got this thing in the bag, right? Cubs and seven, right? Why do we say that? Because people need hope to keep going. Isn't it really hard to get up and get going and go to work and, and engage with your kids if you don't have any hope that things are gonna get better? And our world is at a place we, we are desperate for hope. Hebrews chapter 12 Three puts it this way. Let's read it together. Don't be distracted by the Dodgers winning in the background. Consider him who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is bigger than sports. It's about having a purpose to keep fighting for every day. If you go back to that slide with the road sign there, if, if that was really truly able to deliver on what it says if you take that exit? How many of you would take that exit today? How many of you are in need of some hope? Some of you are dry. Some of you, your tank is empty and you're like running on fumes. As a parent of two kids under the age of four, let me tell you, your tank gets empty pretty quickly. And even if not, I talked to a lot of you that just life has a way of draining you. That's the offer of Jesus today. That's what the kids read in our reading from Ephesians 1, 18. It says, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you. If you're exhausted today, if you're overwhelmed by life's demands, there's hope. If you got an addiction that you can't overcome and you think, I'm so alone in this, I can't get through this. You know, we talk about alcohol and drugs and all those things. We don't talk about food. We don't talk about eating disorders a lot. We don't talk about mental health a lot. We don't talk about broken relationships a lot. We all need healing. We all need recovery from something. If your marriage is on the rocks today, but you're in church and so you got to put on the happy face, your Savior can see right through that. And there's hope. You're struggling with your kids today and you wonder if you're going to make it. There's hope for you. Even if you're apathetic and have no interest in this whole church or Jesus thing and you just came today because either your kids are really cute or you heard we had good donut holes. One of the two. There's hope for you today as well. Because our God is alive. He's not a God in some old, dirty, dusty, boring book that's sitting on your shelf at home that you pull out when you're really in trouble. Our God is alive, and his name is Jesus, and he is a reason to get up in the morning, and he wants to fill your heart with passion and motivation to live for the things that matter, to hook yourself into something that is worth living for, care about deeply. Often I'll have people ask, John, you know, hope's growing, it's this big church, what are you guys really about? And I'll say, unequivocally, hope. <laughs> that road sign, hope unashamedly about Jesus, but quickly that's normally followed by, so you're, you're Lutheran Church of Hope, right? 
what's the Lutheran thing all about? You don't seem like a normal Lutheran church. No, we're not. We had a couple weddings in here this month, and I just watching this, this place be transformed and get all decorated and filled for a wedding, and I didn't have the heart to tell the bride and the groom that right here where they got married the first time I walked into this building, there was a car up on a lift getting its oil changed about right here, right? So people ask me, you gonna go into the used car business, John, if the pastor thing doesn't work out? Maybe, right? Got a big parking lot for it right there. This isn't a normal Lutheran church. No, it's not. And that's why we're doing this sermon series. We're kind of on the tail end of it called Here We Stand. And we're walking through some of these foundational truths of what it means to be Lutheran and and really what it means to be people of the word. And our prayer is by now, if you've been around the last month or so, and even if not, if you didn't grow up Lutheran, if you're still figuring it out, that we've kind of put your heart at ease, that that you're welcome here. that you don't have to try to be somebody else to fit in, and whether you grew up in the church or not, or you're Lutheran or not today, that you're welcome. And hopefully you know that you don't have to put on some front or churchy religious front to be welcomed here, like, well, like our good friend Helen in this next clip, short clip from the film Raising Helen, where she thinks that somehow you got to fit in with all these Lutheran people. Let's take a look. Aunt Helen, you promised you'd find us a school. Oh, God help me. Slow down. Stop. That was fast. Kids. Lisa, stop dragging your sweater. I mean, Lutheranism has been in our family for as long as... Lutheran people have been around. Being a Lutheran is the greatest. I mean, right, kids? Hippo wants to be a Lutheran, too. Yeah. A hippo is a Lutheran. (laughs) I knew that God told us to move here so that we could attend your fine school. A good, solid education taught our Lutheran way is the best way. I mean, isn't that right, Father? Pastor. Father Pastor. Pastor Parker. Right. Thank you for that fine testimonial. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, I'm just going to need the kids' transcripts and blood tests, and they're in. Blood tests? Make sure they're really Lutheran. Be surprised how many non-Lutherans try to sneak Uh, in. Oh, I'm sure. Um, problem. They're all hemophiliacs. All three of them can't take blood. Shh. They're sensitive. It's a joke. Why would I joke about hemophilia? There's no blood test. That's the joke. Oh. You don't have to be Lutheran to go here. It's Queens. Like 50 Lutheran kids in the whole neighborhood. Should we take a look around? So let's take a look around. Let me show you around Lutheranism a little bit today. By the way, the blood test will be available for you as you leave today that will determine whether you come back or not. We don't want any non-Lutherans sneaking in here and messing up our church or anything. I'm just kidding. If that was the case, about 80% of you would just get up and walk out right now because that's how God's created this church. And that's one of the wonderful things about how God's put us together as a bunch of people from different backgrounds and denominations and some from no church background whatsoever. And we come and, and we've discovered that beyond the surface level things that a lot of people think being Lutheran is about, you know, robes and choirs and, and what the pastor wears and the, the different traditions that we have and even potlucks. I don't know what weird people do potlucks or things like that. But it's not about any of those things. Those things are fun and they're all good, but 
at Hope, one of our values is that we worship God, not tradition. And so ultimately, we're a Jesus church first and a Lutheran church second. That ultimately, it's not about worshiping tradition and putting those things ahead of worshiping God. And if they help us accomplish our mission, then great. But if they get in the way of our mission, then we're going to do whatever we can to step outside the box. And one of the most dangerous things you can hear is say, well, we have to do this in the church because that's the way it's always been done. You're talking to a God that (laughs) walked out of his own grave, a God that's full of surprises, and so we follow him. And ultimately, what we discover as we peel back the layers of all these things is to be a Lutheran at the heart of it is to be people of hope, is to be people of hope. And as we get to the tail end of this sermon series, I want to make sure that we focus in (laughs) on what it really means, what the heart of being Lutheran is all about, is to be people of hope. In fact, this goes all the way back to where our Lutheran story began. Back in the early 1500s, the Roman Catholic Church at the time had become a place where only a few get to play, only a few get to do ministry, only a few could read God's word in their native language, and people were not filled with hope. They were filled with a lot of fear because the churches at the time was preaching this picture of God, that he was angry, that he was a judgmental God, that he was just waiting for you to screw up so that he could punish you for your sins. And along came this, comes this young priest named Martin Luther who pointed common people back to hope, back to the truths of God's word that says, yes, although we are great sinners, we have a great savior. For we have not been saved because of what we do, not because of our good works, but because of the grace of God, not because of all our performance or what we can accomplish. I'm a part of a lot of funerals. I I work with a lot of families during end of life and they're planning the funeral and I I hear people say, well, he was a really good guy. That's it? Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again and defeated the power of sin, death, and hell so that we could hope because we're a good person that maybe we could have eternal life. I got really good news for you today. As Lutherans, we believe it's not about climbing up some ladder to God. It's about the fact that God climbed down the ladder to us and offers us this hope that we have eternal life, not because we're good enough, but because of his grace alone, and we put our trust in that faith, in that grace, that God has done the performing for us. You don't have to be good enough to earn something that you already have. And so Luther pointed us back to that Word through grace alone. And so we're people of hope, not just Lutheran Church of Hope. Yes, that's our namesake, but we're ultimately people of hope. What does it mean to be a part of a Lutheran church? What does it mean to be Lutheran Church of Hope? Well, I want to focus on three things today. What does it look like to be people of hope? Everybody say nice and loud hope. People of hope, not the church, but people that are anchored in Jesus Christ. Number one, we've got a no hope. Everybody say no. We've got a no hope. We've got, if you want a visual, it's that arrow pointing straight down. We put our roots down deep into God's love. This is how the whole Lutheran movement got started is that Luther, Martin Luther had this personal experience with Jesus Christ. He knew him. He didn't just know about him. You can sing all the songs here on Sundays. You can read the Bible and go to the Bible studies and you can pray the prayers. But if you haven't made that journey from here to here, we can just go through the motions our entire adult Christian lives and not really have a relationship with the one who is hope and that's Jesus Christ. And so we put our roots down deep in his love. We know the one who is hope. 
and we let it all the way in. Like childlike faith, we let it all the way in. Have you? Or is it just kind of an exercise? Is it just sort of a tradition that you come if the kids are singing or you come once or twice a year on Christmas and Easter? We love you, woomers and tumors, as we call you. Some of you will get that on the way home. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than an hour a week. Is your soul satisfied? Have you found what makes life worth living in the hope of Jesus Christ? Have you received it like a child, or is, is faith just sort of like some good ideas or some good values or morals that you want to pass down to your kids? I hear parents say that a lot. I don't really want to, I don't know if I can come to worship, but man, I really want to get my kids into Sunday school so, you know, you as a church can instill some good values in them. And I'm like, that's not why we exist. <laughs> I applaud your efforts, but your kids need way more than good values and good ideas. They need Jesus. Because good values you can get a lot of different places. And good values won't transform the heart. Your kids need Jesus. They need Jesus. And so do we as parents. We can't give away something that we don't have. Do you know hope? Have you received it? Parents, grandparents, church, we can only teach what we know. We can only lead people where we're going ourselves. And we only reproduce who we are. We get to spend an hour a week with your kids, with these kids. You get to spend 24-7 with them, and they're watching you. And they're wondering, what's this all about? Is it worth it? Number one, no hope. Know, know the one who can be an anchor for your soul as you put your roots down deep. I love how Hebrews 6 talks about this. It says, God wanted to make the unchanging of his nature and his purpose very clear that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Life is hard. And when the winds come and the waves are roaring and tossing you back and forth, do you have an anchor <laughs> on this little ship that you're in in this big sea called life? Is there something deeper that's rooting you so that when things happen, and, and do you have a hope that the world can't touch? No matter what the state of your marriage is, your relationships, or the state of your job, no matter what, if your kids are making good choices or not, dare I say, no matter who happens to be in office, who holds the majority, who happens to be the leaders of our country, no matter what you're up against, can we be okay? Do you have a hope? Do you have a joy? Do you have a peace that's deeper than that? Or are you just going to get tossed around? Do you have an anchor to your soul? Do you know hope? To be Lutheran first is to be people that know hope. Number two is to be people of hope is that we receive it. Everybody say receive. That we receive I before E except after C. That's right. That we receive that hope. And it comes to us from God. We can't go out of here today and sort of muster up hope. I'm not talking about being positive people and thinking happy thoughts. You can't create hope. you got to receive it. And God is the only one that can give us. It's hope comes from the outside. And I'm guessing that some of you today are feeling a little empty. And so we need to get filled up again and again and again. And one of the main ways that we receive hope on a regular basis and we get filled up is through weekly worship. And I know, I talk to a lot of people and you hear a lot of people talking I hear the stories out there. People ask the question, is weekly worship really that important? I mean, isn't that kind of something that my parents did or that people used to do? But John, there's the internet. There's podcasts. I can listen to anybody. I can worship anywhere online. Why can't I just hang out at friends and with friends and stay in my pajamas and worship online, right? 
Here's my humble response to those good questions based on a church that is inspiring. Because you're an incredible church, you get this. So many of you are so committed and dedicated, and you're saying, I'm going to be here every single week. And so Letterman had his top 10. Here's my top three for the sake of time. Why worship is worth it. Number one is because God's worth it. Everybody say worth it. Worth it. Worship literally means worth-ship, meaning whatever we worship is whatever gets our affection, our praise. You can worship a lot of things. You can worship your kids if you're living through them, if it's the most important thing and you've elevated them to a place where you're putting so much pressure on them that I'm worried about their performance and whether they make the traveling team or the all-star team, what their grades are at school. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm saying, what gets your affection? What gets your primary attention? We can worship our spouse. (laughs) We can worship our kids. We can worship our hobbies. We can worship sports. I mean, for me, I've got to repent on a regular basis because it's like Jesus and then the Hawkeyes are like right there underneath that. So we got to be careful with those things. What we worship gets our affection. And when other activities become more important than weekly worship, instead of just making that the main thing and then building all our other activities as a family or an individual around that, things get dangerous. Not because those things are bad. They can't fill up your soul. And some of you go from week to week to week with the pedal to the metal and you're burning the candle at both ends and you're like, why am I so empty? Because you were meant to run on God. He's the only one that can fill up your soul. You were created to worship him. And beyond that, let me take Pastor John hat off for a second and just put on my dad hat, my brother in Christ hat. When I think about my kids growing up in the church, and it doesn't matter that their dad's the pastor, this is just being a parent. I want them to grow up with a picture of Christianity and a picture of following Jesus where he is so worth it not just for an hour a week because that's our tradition as a family. I want our lives to be saturated with Jesus. Everything that we do as a family. And so the least we could do is to say for an hour a week, I'm gonna put aside everything else that I think is so important and we're gonna worship together as a family. We're gonna build everything else around that. This is who we are. We know hope and we need to receive hope on a regular basis. So number one, God's worth it. Number two, the reason we're called to worship every single week is because we're better together. Turn to your neighbor right now. Don't worry what you sound like. Look at your neighbor and say, we're better together, baby. Just tell them that right now. We're better together, baby. Absolutely. Worship is like being with your family. Do you know that? The Bible calls us as a church a family, and so this is home. Every week is a family reunion. I was dropping our kids off uh, for school the other week, and this is obviously our church home, and it's where our preschool is as well. We pull in and the kids are in the back and our two-year-old Evie drives in. You know, she's two and so she gets a little confused once in a while. And so we're driving in the parking lot and she sees the big hope sign in the building and she says, daddy. And I go, what? She says, we're home. And I was just about ready to correct her. And then I realized she's right. Because that's my hope and my prayer that for every single one of you, when you drive in that parking lot and you walk in those doors every week, that you would say, I'm home. Because here I can be myself. Here I don't have to put up a false mask and a false front and try to be some churchy person. I got really good news for you. Jesus wasn't really a churchy person either. In fact, he got most frustrated with those religious people that get all stuffy and stuck on themselves. Here you're home. 
hear your family. And when you're a part of a family, not only can you be yourself, but everybody's needed. Everybody brings something. We, if we are, had our potluck next week, imagine if every single one of us thought, I'm sure somebody else will bring something. And if all of us did that, we ain't got any food, right? We're all called to bring something just like a potluck. We're a family. We're all in this together. The other analogy that Paul uses is we're a body. We're connected. Every part of the body, including you, even if this is your first day here, you're a part of the body of Christ. We need you. Yes, we say all the time that church is good for you, but you're good for the church too. God calls you to be here every single week. We're better together. And last but not least, why are we called to receive that hope and worship every single week? It produces good fruit. When we're cut off from the vine of Jesus, we can't produce fruit. There's actually kind of nerdy church people, statisticians that do things like this, and they, and they look at weekly worship, and they track people, and, it, and statistically, they found that those who worship weekly live longer, enjoy better health, experience more joy and more hope and more peace. They've done surveys, surveys on these things. They've tracked people. There's actual studies on these things. Kids who grow up in a family where weekly worship is a priority that they do every week, kids who grow up with a weekly worship habit keep the faith as young adults 87% of the time. Not because it's like the thing, but it's because these seeds of faith are being planted. And when you don't think they're listening, I guarantee they're listening. They're also watching you to see if you're the same person here on Sunday that you are when you're disciplining them and speaking the truth and love to them at home. They're watching you. They're watching us, church. 87% of the time. <laughs> Make weekly worship a priority. It's how we receive hope. It's, worship isn't for God. It's for you. It's a gift. So receive it. Receive that hope. So we know it. We put our roots down deep. We receive it. We look up and we receive that. And finally, to be people of hope, we can't keep it to ourselves. We share it. Everybody say share. We share that hope. We reach out. We're a Lutheran Church of Hope, and so we don't keep it to ourselves, and sometimes we have to bring it to people. When you have the greatest news in the world, you have to share it, and we'll try just about anything to share it and, and think outside the box, because sometimes you can't just wait around and expect people to come to church. you got to bring the church to them. And so this past weekend, we had a bunch of people participating in our uh, Des Moines Marathon outreach, and so a lot of people are out there, and so where do you think we are as a church? Out there. We still had worship, yes, but we also brought the worship Two people, And so we had lots of volunteers handing out hundreds of uh, cups of water at our water station and encouraging people as they ran by. And, uh, and then over here, this is, this is Michael, one of our volunteer bus drivers, who we, we volunteered to shuttle uh, people from the, the hotel early in the morning down to where the marathon started downtown. And so starting at 6 a.m., Michael pulls up, and there's all these people coming on the bus. And I didn't know this, but he cranked the music, and he and put on loop Eye of the Tiger for two hours in a row as people are getting on the bus, and there's like people walking on, like our name is right there. It says Lutheran Church of Hope, and so people are like groggy, and they've got their coffee, and they're, oh, I gotta run this race. What was I thinking? And then I get on the bus, a church bus that's, it's the Eye of the Tiger, you know, they're all that. Michael said this one lady stopped and like did a double take. She went, church bus, Eye of the Tiger. Church bus, Eye of the Tiger. She said, you're from a church? And he said, oh yeah, we are. I have the time. You know, he just cranked it up. So he's doing that. 
And then uh, Jed, our worship leader, and Eric, our tech guy, and myself went down, and we were going to do this worship service in Cal's Commons because there's people gathering. Well, it was freezing, and so people were freezing their tails off, and so they started walking down downtown farther towards Court Avenue and said, well, we'll just bring it to them. And so we set up our little worship service, and I just start preaching on the street corner, and so I thought, man, I get my soapbox going here. So I got up my, my little box, and I stood and got up my megaphone, and I just started saying, turn or burn, everybody, turn or burn. Some of you are like, really? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, we just told them about the hope that we have. We just told them about Jesus. We just extended that hope to them. And, and we want you to know that sharing this hope as a church isn't a one-time thing. We do this every week. I mentioned WizKids earlier. There's a lot of kids in our community here, the same age as yours that you saw up here this morning, that don't have a lot to eat. And certainly there's probably not a dad in the home and Maybe they never see their parents because they work the third shift. And a lot of those kids are really struggling, especially in school. And so a couple years ago, we started this program called WizKids, where we share hope with kids every single Thursday night. And I walked in here last Thursday, and all over the building, there's adults, a lot of them in a one-to-one -one ratio, because we have had so many volunteers this year. It's been awesome. Praise God. One-to-one -one or one-to-two ratio, all of them with the kids reading out loud the Jesus Storybook Bible. We fed them, we had fun, we danced around, we broke a few things, and then we're reading the Bible together, and it's awesome. Not to mention this morning, 162 people had breakfast and Bible study and worshiped with us from local homeless shelters and that slept under bridges last night. And when I look out, I don't see homeless people. I see the church. I see Lutheran Church of Hope. They need hope. They're desperate for it. And it's not in just the big things and the big programs that we do in the headline news. It's often in the little things that we do. It's hope for people that are grieving. About a month or so ago, I got a call from a local guidance counselor at one of our local middle schools here asking us for help. And can I just say before I tell you the story, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I count it as one of our biggest wins that because of the great church that you are and because of how well you love and serve our neighborhood and our community, that when a guidance counselor from a public school needs help for a family, they call the church. Like, that's worthy of praising God for. That's awesome. I really believe that. Praise God for that. Because I believe that because of Jesus, the local church is the hope of the world. And they can receive that hope that they so desperately need here. And so he said... Pastor John, we had this tragedy. There's this young family, and the dad of this young family, three kids, unexpectedly passed away earlier this week. Just a complete shock to the family and to our community here. And so here you have now this single mom with three girls that she's trying to raise by herself, two in middle school and one in elementary school. It's two weeks before school starts. It was right after VBS, two weeks before school starts, and they need some school supplies and she would never ask for this because she's too proud to do that. But I'm asking for, these girls need some clothes to go back to school. Could you help us? <laughs> I'm sitting there on the phone going, of course. Like, you pray for these moments, right? I mean, this is all well and good, and I love worshiping with you and singing all these songs, but like, this is why we exist as a church to bring that hope to people that so desperately need it. And so one of our women's uh, life groups, small groups, stepped up, and they bought them clothes, and we gave it. It's just a beautiful moment of hugging this mom and saying, you're going to make it. We're here for you. 
We're right here with you. People need hope. We can't keep it to ourselves. We have to share it, and so we know it, and we receive it, and we give it away. Lutherans are people of hope in a world that's desperate for it. And it's powerful when a group of people puts aside our differences. There's so many things that could divide us all across the board. But when a group of people this size puts aside their differences and comes together for the sake of something bigger and way more important, it's powerful. And to give you a picture of that, and no, I'm not just tooting my own horn because this is God's team. I want to tell you about the Hawkeyes for a second, okay? And I tell you this story today for two reasons. Number one, because I'm kind of down in the dumps because it was a terrible game yesterday. And number two, I believe that this story is a picture of what it means to be the church. So the backstory here is that back in September at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, they started this new tradition. At the end of the first quarter, everybody stops what they're doing and turns away from the field and turns up to the children's hospital that looks over the stadium, this newly renovated, one of the best children's hospitals in the country, where they do all sorts of research and care for kids, and they, all these people turn up, and they wave up to the top floor, which was reserved for a lot of the kiddos that are, and families that are battling cancer, that have had brain injuries or brain surgery or, or serious open heart surgeries or things like that, and they wave for a couple minutes, or at night they shine the light of their phones or their candles. And this is personal. One of my good friends, Pastor Andy, who's a pastor at Hope, used to be with us here. They were there just a couple months ago with their son, Callan, who had a massive open-heart surgery. And he said they were up, and they got to experience this, and it was powerful to know that people were thinking of them. And so there's this short little clip that I, I want to show you, and as you watch it, I don't want you to think so much about football. I want you to think about what it means to be the church, and I want you to think about what it means to be people of hope. Let's take a look. They uh, interviewed a mom of one of the kids that's been there for, they've been there as a family for four months, that he had had open heart surgery and she said watching this from all those fans her words not mine it was like a wave of hope swept over them reminding us that we're not alone and I think what's powerful about it to me is that for one or two minutes 70,000 people got a glimpse and a reminder that maybe life's not all about football. And maybe life's not about sports. And maybe life's not primarily about how many likes you get on your post. Or how well your kids do on their, in their sports or their school. It's about love. It's about relationships. And most importantly, with the God that holds it all together the God who created you. And my prayer is, as much as all those people are sending hope up to the kids, I hope that they are inspired by that hope and that they would know the one who is hope, ultimately. Because here's the greatest news of all, that you don't have to just shine your light for a couple minutes in a football game we get to shine our lights every single day. We're the church. We're Lutheran Church of Hope. 
This is our namesake. This is who we are, and we're called to shine our lights in a dark, dark world. I pray that they're receiving that message of hope, and I pray that you are this morning as well. So we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do it. And I know that you have phones because you're probably looking at them wondering when the sermon's going to be done or you're posting to Twitter or something like that. So what I want to invite you to do this morning is to stand as we close and go ahead and pull out your phone as you stand on up. This is for everybody. Yes, I'm actually asking you to do that. And we're going to shut off all the lights uh, around and I want you to take out your phone if you have it. If you don't, that's okay too. And just turn it on as bright as you can. If you have a flashlight app, do the flashlight app. I'm giving you permission to play with your phone in church. Yes, I am. So just take it out, and when you've got it, just lift it up and shine it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Church, you're the light of the world, Jesus says. I, w- <laughs> I wish that all of you could stand and see this. This is a picture of who the church is called to be. Imagine if the church was a place that shined its light so brightly that everybody out there that is desperately in need of hope would look at the local church and say, I don't know what it is, but I want that hope. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that life that only the light of Jesus Christ can bring. And you don't get to just do this during a football game. This is our identity. We're a Lutheran church of hope. And so we're called to offer that every single day. I would encourage you to get involved today. First of all, do you know that hope? Have you received it? Have you let it all the way in? Don't just go through the motions. Number two, receive it. Come back every single week. Bring your kids with you. Bring your family. Receive it and finally share it. Shine your light brightly for the world to see. There are dozens of ways to get involved here, to be a part of what God is doing through this church. Get involved. Start serving. Shine your light. Don't keep it to yourself. As we close today, I want to just extend to you this blessing from the book of Romans, chapter 15, as you shine your light brightly. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow, that you may overflow with his hope and the power of his Holy Spirit. Go be the church. You've come to worship. Go be the church. Go be Lutheran Church of Hope and shine your lights brightly this week for a city and a world that desperately needs it. Amen? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Go get connected. Come on up for prayer if you need it. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a great week.